Hi, and welcome to another episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I want to thank you all for uh, tuning in today. And we've got a great show today, and, and we're going to be talking about a little bit of why you should join the APTA, which is our professional organization, the American Physical Therapy Association, and also how to become an advocate within the association and what things the association actually does. So to help me through that today, I have Dr. David Sofer. He is the president and CEO of Community Physical Therapy with locations in Ditmas Park, Brooklyn and Rego Park, Queens. He is a chapter director of the Brooklyn Staten Island District of the New York Physical Therapy Association, chair of the NYPTA's payment committee, and a candidate for the NYPTA vice president. He's an adjunct assistant professor in the SUNY Downstate Physical Therapy Program, a leading advocate for patients' rights, and an active member of the Alliance of Independent Physical Therapists and the Council of Licensed Physiotherapists. He graduated from the University of Buffalo Physical Therapy Program in 2000, and since then has taken numerous advanced clinical courses in manual therapy, pain control, therapeutic exercise, and earned his doctorate in physical therapy through the Evidence in Motion Educational Institution in 2011. So, Dr. Sofer, thank you for coming on and welcome. Oh, thank you very much, Karen. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Good, and congratulations on all your accomplishments thus far. That's awesome. Okay, so first thing right off the bat, why did you decide to join the APTA, and when did you join? Um, I joined the APTA uh, as a student, um, and uh, I, when I joined, uh, I didn't really do it for any particular reason. Um, my, uh, my mother is a physical therapist uh, and has been for a long time, and I knew that if I didn't, she would probably kill me. So. Um, so that was my impetus to join, and the student rates were very reasonable. Uh, and then I maintained my membership um, just as a point of, I thought, professional uh, necessity. I think you, you have to be a member of your professional body if you want to consider yourself a professional. Um, but I didn't start getting active in the association till till many years later. Okay. and. You know, talking about, you're obviously a big part of the New York Physical Therapy Association. And if someone, let's say I just joined the APTA, and within my, is it easier to sort of get into your state association if you want to be exposed to the inner workings of the association? Um, I think the I think your your local uh, district is the best place to start. So the New York district is divided up by geography. Um, I'm the chapter director for Brooklyn Staten Island. So, for example, if you were involved, uh, if you're in Brooklyn Staten Island area and you wanted to get involved, um, you can check out the NYPTA website at nypta.org and go to districts, and then you'll find my name or the the district chair Kevin Johnson, and you our email contacts are there, and you can contact us and let us know that you're interested in, in joining or helping out. Um, or you can come to one of the many meetings that uh, all of the districts have that put on either CEU or um, information about what's going on in the profession or sometimes social events. We like to do social events too. Um, and, uh, and get to know the leadership there and then find out how you can get more involved. Great. And, you know, here I know you joined as a student. So let's talk about that for a moment. What are 
why as a student PT is it important to join the APTA? Um, we really uh, are, are trying to develop student members quite a bit uh, in, in the New York chapter. We have a great leadership development program. Um, uh, as a member, you can come and you can be a director's intern, meaning you can sit next to me or one of the other directors at a board meeting. Um, and you can get a first-hand look at uh, what, what goes on um, and actually contribute because uh, you're sitting at the table. And we love to get our student input because they really helped us um, with a lot of things that concern students right now. Um, they were instrumental in uh, informing our Facebook page and our, uh, and our Twitter pages um, uh, because they had a, a better uh, pulse on, on what social media was like. Um, they uh, helped us to develop um, the uh, the student dues um, uh, discount that that students get. Um, so if you are a continuous member from uh, as a student, and then throughout the next five years, uh, you get a, a a discount every year um, out of school. So uh, students have their rate, and then their first year out of school, they have an eighty percent discount, eight zero percent discount from the dues, and the second year. 60%, third year, 40%, all the way up until their fifth year out of school. So um, because of student input, uh, uh, we've done things like that to, to help students. So there's a ton of advocacy that students can do um, on their own behalf, uh, not to mention all the research articles and, um, and uh, literature that, that the APTA and NYPTA uh, has for your disposal. Nice, nice. I didn't, I didn't realize that there was a discount program for graduating students, and I wonder how many students know that there's a discount <laughs> program for graduating students. That's a great, thank you for sharing that. That was great. Sure. Um, so when you're, here's a question, what goes on at those meetings? <laughs> well, that's a good like, question. You know, I um, often wonder, what is happening there? So uh, it depends on the meeting that you're at, but since I'm on the board of the New York chapter, I can tell you most about about that. Well, let me explain how the how the association works. You can consider the APTA as like the federal government, okay? They're the big national association. And then every state has its own chapter, and so ours is the NYPTA. Um, and then within that chapter, there is a chapter president, which would be kind of like the governor of the state, and there's a board of directors, which would be kind of like um, a house of representatives, if you will. So I represent um, the position of all the membership of Brooklyn, Staten Island to the board as a whole. Uh, along with all of the other districts, which would be Western, Southern Tier, Catskill, Long Island, Greater New York, um, uh, uh, all, all of the different districts. And then um, we discuss uh, whatever issues we think are would benefit the New York membership the most. And these issues um, can be brought up by board members or even they can be brought up by uh, individuals. Uh, if you had something that you wanted to see happen in the chapter, you could contact me. I'd make a motion on your behalf and it could get debated and voted on um, at these meetings. Uh, and really great things. I've seen, I've seen amazing things happen at these meetings. Um, most re okay, oh, go so, ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say most recently, one of the most exciting things we did was we released $300,000 um, to uh, commission a research project to study the cost effectiveness of physical therapy. Um, I was actually uh, the chair of that committee as well. I keep busy. Um, and uh, and uh, we formed an RFP to, to answer this question, put it out to researchers, and got a bunch of responses back. And we just awarded the grant to um, a research center, University of Central Florida, 
uh, Dr. Albert Liu, and we're very excited to, to get this underway. All this came because one member said, you know what, we need to have more research on the cost effectiveness. And because they came with that idea and somebody put it forward and it was uh, debated, they got $300,000 released for that cost, which is no small amount of money. No, that's amazing. Um, now, at these meetings, can anyone who's a member go, or is this really strictly for the leadership within the, the New York Association? We'll stick to um, any, any member can go. If you want to go to a board meeting, you have to contact um, the chapter ahead of time, and then you'll be a, a guest, essentially, uh, for the meeting, but you'll be slated uh, to go. Um, and then you can you can address you can address the board um, and you can address you know the executive committee everyone's there the president vice president mm -hmm. and all of the local reps uh, or you can just submit a motion um, which is uh, you you uh, submit something that you would like the board to take into account or to debate and vote yes or no on whether or not you want that that motion to pass. Great. Um, yeah. So anyone anyone can go and we're we're real open to to everyone participating. Great. Okay, so here's, here's the question that you probably get asked a million times. Why should I care? As a physical <laughs> therapist, why should I care about the APTA? Why should I give my five to seven hundred dollars, depending on how many, you know, different uh, sections you want to be a part of, why should I join? What's the point? Um, that, that is a question that we get a lot, and it's, and it's a fair one. It's not a small amount of money. We're asking for you know, $500, but to be honest, uh, the cost of the association not being present to represent the profession would be far, would be far greater. Um, there are, whether you know it or not, there are tons of threats that are affecting the profession of physical therapy. Every day, uh, another profession is either trying to um, encroach on on what physical therapists do, or try to um, to to be able to bill for the services that uh, we provide. Um, and uh, be, because of that, the only uh, body that's there to protect us from that is is the APTA. They're the only people that can do that. Um, uh, not to mention there. Uh, legislative arenas, uh, um, you know, direct access uh, it was passed recently uh, in New York State, but it only happens, the profession only advances with the advocacy that's organized and created by the APTA. We put in our input um, on all Medicare issues um, and, uh, and um, a lot of other uh, regulatory agencies like workers' comp and no fault. Uh, in addition uh, to that, the APTA has a, a ton of uh, research resources for you, um, even social resources for you, uh, and really can enrich you as a professional um, and protect your profession. Right, and so I think it's important to note that it's more than just a couple of conferences each year and free continuing ed stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That they kind of um, put out, although very important, that is just one aspect of what the APTA does. It is. It's it's not all about clinician education, although that's a, a big part of what mm -hmm. we do. And um, I think that's a nice way to get someone kind of a foot in the door with the association. Um, but if you want to feel the direct dollars, uh, I'm paying five hundred. Where's my five hundred back? You can certainly get it in discounts through CEU. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Okay, so. You sort of alluded to some of the challenges that physical therapists face and as a result what the 
association can do to address those challenges. So let's take, first we'll sort of take a look at, because we're both in New York, and sorry that we're being a little selfish here, we're going to talk, <laughs> and, and also this is kind of what we know, so it's hard to kind of step out of, of those boundaries. Um, but let's talk about the New York legislative issues affecting physical therapy, because I know there's definitely more than a few. So if you wouldn't mind kind of taking us through some of those legislative issues and maybe what the association is doing and what can we as individual PTs do? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, so I, I just want to say to your point that we're going to be a little bit New York centric. Yeah. Um, but uh, a lot of the, recently, the New York State has been on the forefront of a lot of, uh, of a lot of change, um, and a lot of what New York has formed, even if they haven't gotten passed, has been adopted in other states and modeled by other chapters. So uh, I'm happy to be part of the NYPTA, which is really at the cutting edge of of, um, of change and reform in the physical therapy profession. Uh, an example of that is the high copay bill. Uh, a problem that anyone's seeing if they're in uh, practicing physical therapy really anywhere in the country is that co-pays are going up and up and up for patients. Um, there are a number of um, insurance companies in which the copay is actually 90% or even 100% of the entire cost of the treatment, which means that somebody comes in for physical therapy, they pay a $50 copay, and their insurance pays literally $0, no money. Um, uh, uh, as an association, we saw this and deemed it to be a huge problem um, from a, a clinician's perspective and also from a patient perspective. So we proposed a bill called the High Copay Bill. Um, it's in the legislation. It's in the legislature right now uh, that says that no uh, policy or uh, group health or group accident insurance can impose a copayment in excess of 20% of the total reimbursement for that provided care, which means that if you're going to pay $60 for the provided care, the copay can't be over 20% of that $60. Right. Um, and while we haven't got that passed yet in New York, uh, Kentucky saw this and they put it through the legislature and they had it passed in six months um, just because the, the political climate is different in there from New York. But they've seen what we've done. Illinois is adopting the same thing. And because of this advocacy, um, because we were pushing this and we got national attention for it, other states are following and this is starting to become a major issue amongst insurance companies. Yeah, and I think it's also important so that people understand if you're the patient or even if when you're the if you're the PT to understand what the co-payment is. So for example, you said let's say insurance company A reimburses $60 a visit for your physical therapy visit, which is can be anywhere from maybe 20 minutes to 40 minutes to an hour. I don't know how long your your sessions are. But so if the insurance company is reimbursing the clinician $60 and your copay is $50, it doesn't mean you're paying 50 and then we're getting 60 from the insurance company. That's correct. It means you're paying 50 and the insurance company is paying 10. Absolutely. So I mean I think as the patient like it's I would be outraged that I am basically paying out of pocket for this when my insurance is supposed to cover it. And I think a lot of people do not realize that that, that is the case, that they are essentially footing the bill when it should our, be the other way around. Our contention is that, <clears throat> that uh, patients are being defrauded by their insurance company. And I don't use that word lightly, but they're paying a premium 
so that they can have a coverage, an insurance benefit, but in reality, there is no benefit because they're paying exactly the same amount they'd be paying as if they had no insurance premiums, as if they paid they paid nothing. So what what are they getting for their premium dollar? They're getting nothing and it's a and it's a boon for the insurance companies mm-hmm. that they can do this and, and we think it's illegal and we're trying to make it illegal. Yeah, and, and you know, I advo- I was um, in Albany two years ago. And we were still pushing this bill two years ago. Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I think it just makes so much sense. So basically when you're saying the copay should not be in excess of 20% of the total reimbursement, so if they're reimbursing $60, it should be a $12 copay. That's correct. And, and it would be illegal for them to charge more than a $12 copay, right. which, only seems, which only seems fair. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it's it, – obviously it only seems fair. I mean, I think to – most people, that seems very reasonable. And we didn't we didn't pull that twenty percent number out of the air. That's the Medicare standard, right? Mm-hmm. Medicare um, covers eighty percent of all mm-hmm. services that they allow, um, and so we think that private insurers should be held to the same standard that that Medicare is held to. Right, and and you know, private insurers, on the flip side, take their reimbursement rates. They sort of pattern after Medicare. Uh, well, sometimes. I, I, sometimes I, I wish they did, um, uh, which is actually a nice segue. What, what most insurance companies do, uh, reimbursements vary very widely state by state. Mm-hmm. Uh, New York State is the lowest reimbursed um, state in the country, unfortunately. Um, and so what they do is they, they look at usually either uh, what workers' compensation is paying mm-hmm. or what Medicare is paying, mm-hmm. and then they see which is lower, and then they, they use that as their starting off point. And since our workers' compensation reimbursement is uh, also the lowest in the country, uh, it's really positioned us in, in, a, in a difficult way um, that uh, payment for services is really um, struggling. Um, however, on the workers' comp front, I had the pleasure of being at uh, a meeting um, with the workers' comp board uh, in which uh, they we've had constant dialogue with them, sometimes contentious dialogue with them, and uh, they did a internal review and they finally came to the agreement that physical therapy was one of the most underpaid professions in the workers' compensation system. Um, so they are going to do a, a fee schedule uh, review, and um, what that means is that they're going to take away, they're going to uh, give an increase to physical therapists beginning in April of 2014. Uh, I'm sorry, April of 2015, sorry, uh, which would be the first increase in physical therapy reimbursement rates for workers' comp in 19 years. Oh, my God. Uh, which is a long time, so um, it's it's a, a big win and a much-needed win. We don't know. We'll find out in a couple of weeks the degree to which that increase is proposed to be, but that's, um, that's where we're at. So we're very happy to see that. Um, and they've changed their fee schedule to be more analogous with Medicare rates. Um, so uh, that was... One of the more pleasant meetings I, <laughs> I got to sit in with the workers' comp board uh, just a few weeks ago, but it's nice to be able to give some good news on the on the regulation front as well. Sure, and and do you believe that if the workers' comp reimbursement is raised, will insurance companies follow suit or? Uh, that's that's it's a the loaded hope. question. I don't it, know. Sure, I mean that's the hope. The hope is this: is that is that clinicians begin to, especially in New York, begin to uh, value the services that they provide differently from a monetary perspective. And when um, you have 
an alternative resource that's going to that's going to provide you with more payment for services. It's easier to tell the lower payers that you don't want to participate with them anymore because it's no longer worth your while. Mm -hmm. So if we can if we can change the tide that way of um, of business practice and, and clinician perception, then hopefully we can um, help to do something about the the payment crisis that we have for physical therapy in New York. Yeah, it's just seems so crazy that the reimbursement rates in New York are so low given, and I'm talking just in, let's say, the New York City metro area of New sure. York. It's so expensive to live here, and it's a so and to expensive work to work here. So if you think about a, a, a private practice owner, um, uh, whatever rent they were paying in 1996 versus the rent they're paying now, Right. They they get paid exactly the same per patient as they did as they did back then. So um, you know the only way to do that is to change the way that you practice, and and it has to be driven by volume, and that's created uh, a different type of treatment paradigm, and and I think it is pushing us towards a crisis um, in in the way physical therapy is being applied, uh, and I think that's also a reason why uh, you see such high levels of fraud. Um, in workers' comp is because you know uh, people see an opportunity, but sometimes um, people feel that's the only way that they can get their money. Not that that justifies anything, right. but it does drive that type of um, volume mentality. Right, that type of thinking. And you know, I think just that little piece that you said about the workers' comp rate review is what a great example of what the NYPTA and you know, to a greater extent, the APTA can do for you if you're just you know, that independent physical therapist or even a physical therapist. Maybe you don't own your own practice, but you work at one and you sure. don't want to have to see four people an hour. Or maybe you want to get a raise someday. Yeah, or maybe you want to get a raise someday. Yeah, so this is sort of a great example of how the association is really working for its members. Without a doubt, this, this, this um, comp reform does not happen without the NYPTA working, sitting at the table, and not just me this year, but the 19 years that preceded me and all the people that did this work before me. Um, you know, we I stand upon their cumulative work, and then to have the board come back and repeat to us all the things that we've said to them for so many years means that, you know, it took a while, but we've been heard and um, and ultimately to some degree agreed with and and um, and that they took our, our issues seriously, which is exactly what we want and only happens through your professional association. Yeah. And now what else is happening in the New York legislative issues front? Uh, so there is um, a bill that we have in the legislature and people might not know this but under workers compensation guidelines physical therapist assistants cannot provide care for patients under the current workers compensation guidelines. So um, if you're a PTA out there or if you're a PT out there and you're seeing these comp patients um, and you want a PTA to assist you, uh, you cannot. The work that they do is not reimbursable. Um, even though it's legal to do, it is not within workers' comp regulation. So we have a bill in the legislature that would permit um, uh, a physical therapist uh, to oversee the work of a physical therapist assistant and be able to bill workers' compensation for that. And um, my question, does the, does the PTA billing, is it less than a PT billing or is it all the same? Uh, well, the, the, <clears throat> that's, a, that's a good question. The billing is all the same. There's not a PTA billing. Um, there's the PT bills, um, but, uh, but the, he signs off essentially on the, on the PTA notes. 
um, but it's usually the PT's number because they're the one that's ultimately responsible. But in workers' comp, there's no PTA billing because <laughs> PTAs aren't allowed to right. perform services. Um, there is no disparity uh, in the payment structure, but that has been a concern. And we've seen instances in some parts of the country um, for private insurers, they're saying if a PTA did this work, we're going to pay you less, um, which uh, is shocking that they could pay any less. But, um, but uh, they're trying to find ways, and things like that only get fought by your professional association. Right. Okay, so... You know, the, so we have these bills in the in the New York State Legislature. So let's talk about uh, sort of a day, the the day lobby day, mm -hmm. which I'm sure happens in every state across the country, and it also happens at the national level as well. Which I think was this past week. Uh, yes, a federal affairs forum. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so let's talk about lobby day, what it entails, and if. How would you? How would one get involved if they were interested? Absolutely. Um, so uh, the NYPTA is all about year-round advocacy, and every day is a little bit of a lobby day. Um, but the day that we really kick it off is this Tuesday, May thirteenth, um, and that's where the NYPTA provides busing from every single district in the state for anybody who's interested for free um, to to convene in Albany, and you will have a legislature. You'll have a leader who will take you to a number of local legislators um, and, and make the case for the bills that we have in the legislature and try to get them to co-sponsor or support, or support those bills. Um, if you're interested in Lobby Day, you go um, onto the NYPTA website uh, and then um, you find the uh, uh, advocacy section or legislation section and you'll see something that says Lobby Day. You click on there, you register, and once you're registered, they'll um, have you uh, have all the information that they need to set you up with the right people so that you're lobbying to um, the right legislators and, and providing your transportation. It's actually a pretty fun day, I have to say. And the first time I went, um, it's a little bit intimidating, right? I'm sitting before Congress people, um, and I'm just kind of sitting in the background. Maybe I chimed in once or twice. But then once I got my feet wet the next year, um, I was a team leader. Uh, I knew all the legislation down cold. And you get to sit in front of these people who are representing you. They're your representatives. They work for you. And you have to tell them exactly what's going on because nobody else will. And then to see things that you lobby for either get known or, or, or actually pass. Is, is a nice feeling and hopefully we'll get to feel that feeling soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've actually done um, Lobby Day both in New York and at the federal level. Um, and I, it was, I have to say, it is a lot of fun. And the first time I went at, was at the federal level and I don't know how this, I mean I had never done it before but I was like a team leader, <laughs> like going to two Two separate offices, which is fine. You know, I, it, it was it was a lot of fun. And then you must the, have seen something in the camera. Uh, yeah, and then in the, <laughs> the New York one, I was a team leader for for all of them. And the the people that were with me as a team leader were all students. Yes, we had a lot of student participation, um, which is nice. But we would love to see more of our yeah. professionals coming out there. And I know everybody's working, and it's on a weekday. But you can't lobby on the weekends because nobody's in the offices. Mm -hmm. um, and if you can take one day, think about if we could get every copay knocked down to 20%. I mean, think about what that would do for your practice versus the one day that you might miss. And it's not, but it's also a networking event. You meet so, mm -hmm. so many people from all around the state. And it, it may be intimidating at first, but I promise if you sign up and you come, we do a great job of, of coaching you and, 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 and holding your hand through the whole way. Um, and you can participate as much or as little as you want, but the fact that you're there 
um, supporting a profession, promoting the legislation that we have enacted um, or we've proposed, uh, it goes a long way. It really does. Yeah, and, and another, like, I know you said it can kind of be a little intimidating, which it is because, you know, you're talking to your Congress, uh, Congress people, um, even in the New York level, and it's, I think, maybe a little more intimidating at the federal level because sure, sure. the, like, if you've never been to these Congress buildings where the, where the, rep, the House of Representatives and the Senate is, it, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, these yeah. are big places. It's a little overwhelming. Um, some people have bigger offices than others, <laughs> um, but it's, it can, it's definitely intimidating. But what I found, um, especially at the federal level, was people were interested. Yeah. They asked questions. They would, like, sometimes you're talking with a congressperson, sometimes you're talking to their aides, to the legislative aides, um, but they're interested. They're asking questions. They want to know, what do physical therapists do? You know? I, think, I think people overestimate how much legislators actually know mm -hmm. about the things that they're voting on, to be yeah. quite honest. Yeah. Um, and it was underscored to me when I was walking around in lobby day, and right after me, there was a bunch of farmers that were going in pitching their bills, and then right after them, there was you know, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, and they were pitching their bills, all from such vast different mm -hmm. areas, all vying for the same attention from that same one person. Mm -hmm. And if you're not really shouting, uh, you, you won't be heard. Yeah, very true, very true. Okay, so let's talk about the committee within uh, the APTA, and you'll have to educate me if it's also within each state, but the Political Action, Action Committee, or the PAC. <clears throat> so let's talk a little bit about that. So um, uh, if you're into advocacy, uh, you, you need to talk about PAC. The Political Action Committee, there is one for APTA, and there is one for NYPTA. And what it is, is it's a, it's a collection of funds that we use to lobby the legislators uh, for political donations. Now, most people don't know this, but it is illegal for uh, the state or federal association to use their dues money to lobby Congress. You cannot use money from the association's dues to make political donations. So the only money that we have to, um, to really connect with our Congress people, it has to be donated separately, and that's PAC or your political action committee. If you would like to make a donation to your PAC, there's, there's one for the state and one for the federal. One's going to go for state issues. One's going to go for federal issues. You can donate to one or both. Um, go to the website and um, under legislative issues on the NYPTA website or advocacy on the APTA website and go to PAC and there'll be a donation form and a way that you can donate. Um, but, but getting that money gets us at fundraisers, gets us at political dinners and really um, improves our ability to connect with the select legislators that we need to move certain pieces of legislation. Sure. And so let's say you're, you're a PT, you can't make it to lobby day, but you really still want to advocate. Do you suggest calling your representative directly, speaking Absolutely. to people? I mean, is that something we can do? Without a doubt. So what you want to do in that situation is um, you want to go again to nypta.org and you want to look at the number of the bill that you are promoting. So the high copay bill in the Senate is S2319 and in the Assembly is A1666 and you would call up your legislator's office and you would say, um, I want, uh, you know, Senator so-and-so or Congressperson so-and-so to um, vote yes uh, or to move this bill. Um, and, and that's pretty much all you need to say. And if they get 10 phone calls, just 10 phone calls um, on a local level, 
uh, that says that, they consider that an emergency situation, a situation that they have to take seriously. So that's all we need to really, to really champion a cause. You can also make an appointment to go in and discuss the issue more thoroughly. If you want to go in but you're a little bit intimidated, you can find your legislative liaison. Go to your, uh, again, nypta.org and go to the district on your district. Um, find out who your legislative liaison is, contact that person, and they will go with you to have a face-to-face -face meeting with your legislator. Um, or you can email them, contact them one way or another, but let them know the things that you want to see happen because it doesn't happen unless you tell them to. Great, and I'm sure every state is similar. So regardless of what state you live in, contact your uh, state association and ask them, what bills are you trying to get through through the state legislature? Is there some way that I can help? If I call my representative or my state senator, what, what can I say? What, how can I help? And, Absolutely. you know, a phone call takes all of about, that phone call would take what? Two ten, minutes tops. Yeah, I was going to say ten minutes tops, <laughs> Not but yeah, even. five minutes, minutes tops. So for those who are super, super busy, if you take that five minutes, and I didn't realize ten phone calls is all it took. That's, that's, that's all it takes in a, in a, in a local district mm -hmm. because, you know, these districts are relatively small and when 10 people call about the same thing, people don't call their Congress people for much. So when yeah, 10 people call true. about the same thing, it's taken very seriously. Um, if you go on your state association's website or APTA.org, there is a state section there and they'll tell you, it'll be outlined for you online, all the bills that are there and also all the talking points. They're all there. So, it's, so if you want to get versed in how to, how to do it, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You don't need to be uh, a lawyer. Um, you just need to read up, understand the situation, and then tell them how it affects you. It's really a personal situation. How do high, high co-pays affect you or your family? Um, and and that's, that's really what they want to know. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, and listen, you can even have your patients call. If your patients oh. are fed up over their high co-pays, have something printed out for them that says, here you go. Please call your, it'll take two seconds. So if you have your patients calling, then, you know, I think that makes an even bigger impact. Without a doubt. Uh, in my office, uh, a couple times a year, every year, um, we explain because people want to know, oh, why has my Medicare been cut, right? And I have to say, well, this is why, and this is, this is what we're doing about it. And, um, and, and I give them resources to advocate on their own behalf. I write yeah. form letters for them. And... Um, and, uh, you know, whether or not our issues pass, when I'm helping them fight for the cause, they really think better of, of me. I look like even of more of a professional. So from a point of my own professional development, uh, it's, 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 it's good PR for me and, and for my office. Yeah, and it's just the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. In the but end, it, you know? Yes. You want to get the thing, but if you're looking for yet another reason, that would be one. Yeah. Okay, so that was actually a nice little segue here for, for my next question. And we'll sort of briefly go over some of these and what's going on at the federal level. So you had just mentioned that at the federal, uh, they had a lobby day, what was it, Monday? It's actually this week. It's going this, on as we speak. Yeah? Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the Federal Advocacy Forum. Mm -hmm. And maybe some of the things that the APTA is looking at on a on a more uh, on a national level. Sure, if if you're more into uh, um, uh, national uh, issues, um, uh, the big one is always Medicare because oh. Medicare is not controlled by the state; it's controlled by the federal government. So any changes you want to see in Medicare have to come on a federal level. Your federal senator um, uh, or congressperson, not your state state person. Mm -hmm. um, there was a a big hope. This, uh, this year that we could get what's called the SGR, or the Sustainable Growth Rate 
fixed. Um, and what is that? The sustainable growth rate um, was created in 1997 as part of the Balanced Budget Act, and it was a way to manage expenses through Medicare. Uh, it had a number of flaws in its creation, and um, this year, if uh, it was not um, if it wasn't changed, that all Medicare payments would have taken a 24% cut, two four, one quarter cut for Medicare um, if there wasn't uh, legislation enacted um, by March 31st. And um, this happens every year where we're threatened with this 24% cut and at the last minute they say, all right, they put a patch on it for one year. Mm -hmm. This was the year that we had high hopes that we could have a permanent change and, and a repeal of the Medicare cap, which I can talk to a little bit later. Um, and both houses, uh, the Senate and the House um, passed a version of the bill, and we thought that it was going to get passed for a permanent fix, but it broke down um, somewhere in the debate over which uh, which bill would would be the one to 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 uh, go to the president. And uh, so they just put another one year patch, and they kicked yes. it down the road another year. So we uh. wait another year. Um, also, with that patch, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with ICD. 10, mm -hmm. but um, ICD-10 was supposed to be enacted in October of this year, um, but this pushes that back till October of 2015, so you don't have to worry about ICD-10 just yet, so I guess right. and if, if you can, for just line, for the so. listeners, give a little insight oh, to sure. ICD-10. Uh, ICD-9 is what we use now, it's the code we use now to classify diagnoses, mm -hmm. um, so if you have a sprained ankle, there's a certain code uh, that goes along with sprained ankle, and ICD-10 is just a more robust, more descriptive way to do that. Um, but it requires a lot of reform within everybody's internal systems. Mm -hmm. So everybody was hustling to get that done, but now they got another year to, to, uh, to figure it out. So. And, and as a funny side note, WebPT had a, a funny little, uh, they were, had a thing on their website, which ICD-10 code is real and which one is fake. <laughs> okay. And like, there was some crazy, like getting hit by a seagull is real. <laughs> Yes, they you know, they like so some really like silly, silly things. So absurdly specific. Absurdly Maybe down specific. in Florida, they have more yeah. issues than but they it, do here. It, and and you're looking, you're like that can't be real, and <laughs> it is. So um, I don't know if that's still up on their website, but it was it was just you know a funny thing to to take a look at. I think that was through WebPT, and you just can't believe the things that are real. But getting hit by a seagull is no laughing matter, though. No, no. I don't know exactly like how that translates into physical therapy. Maybe you got hit by a seagull and sprained your ankle. Perhaps. I don't know. Would that be two codes? I don't really know how you deal with that, but it was it was very funny. Okay. Um, so we've got the SGR fix. We've got the ICD-10. You briefly talked about the Medicare cap. Let's talk about that a little bit more in depth. Uh, so, uh, as part of the Balanced Budget Act, again, uh, they issued a monetary cap on, on how much physical therapy and speech therapy combined that a patient can have in a given year. Um, this year, uh, that amount is $1,920. Um, uh, in the past, when it first started, it was something about like $750. Uh, so it's been increased by the year, but it's really an arbitrary number. Um, the mechanism to go beyond that cap uh, is still in place. Um, by just building a different modifier. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but what they did recently was they enacted a secondary cap um, uh, at $3,700. So when a patient has reached $3,700 worth of treatment, um, all payments uh, will stop and you have to submit, uh, you'll be audited for each treatment that you do after that. It's called a prepayment audit. So the, the difficulty is, is that you do a service 
uh, you perform a service and you don't get paid for that service, you get audited and then you have to submit all of the supporting documentation mm -hmm. to Medicare and then they have to respond to you on whether or not they accept that as medically necessary and this process can take a month and in that interim, in that month, is the patient supposed to continue treatment, not knowing if they'll have to pay out of pocket for a month That's or not? Fair. So it's really been a, a, yeah. a terrible burden on, on therapists and patients, and we have to become accountants now as well mm -hmm. um, to keep track of all the monies. Uh, and so repealing of those caps was also proposed in the SGR, but again, it, 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 didn't, it didn't go through. So all those things are still in place as they were last year. Okay. Um, what else? We have student loan forgiveness programs? Uh, yes, so uh, there is a student loan forgiveness program that is eligible to numerous uh, healthcare professionals, but not physical therapists. Um, dental hygienists, dentists, doctors, social workers, midwives, family therapists are all able to take part in this, but not PTs. And um, what it is is that um, uh, you have the National uh, Health Corp, they have a loan repayment program. And um, if you provide them at least two years of full-time clinical service in an undeserved community or an underserved community, I, I apologize. Undeserving, undeserving <laughs> no, community. Underserved. Yeah. Um, uh, they will pay you up to sixty thousand uh, dollars towards your student loan. Um, that's for two years of service, and you don't have to be a student. You can be five years out of school, but if you still have sixty thousand dollars worth of debt, you can you can um, join this program and and get uh, relief. Um, you can even extend this to up to five years for $170,000 um, and you still get paid for the work that you do on top of that. So it's a great program but physical therapists are excluded from it right now and so we have a bill uh, in the Congress uh, to authorize PTs to participate. Um, so you want to know why students should get involved? Here's as good a reason as any. Yeah. You have a way to pay off, pay off that debt. Um, and I think mm -hmm. it's also important to, to note that an underserved community does not necessarily mean a town with 50 people where the nearest anything is 50, 60 miles away. An underserved community, for example, is the Bronx. Uh, it, it could be. It um, could be, you know. Or as defined by the National Health Corps. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, uh, if you go to, to uh, their site or if you go to APTA.org, they'll have information about it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and they, would, they would place you or give you an option of where mm -hmm. you're placed. But you, I don't know how much say you have in where you wind up. So if you have a little flexibility or want an yeah. adventure and yeah. you want to get uh, an extra sixty grand over two years to pay off your debt, I think That's it's great. a great program. And there's no reason why it shouldn't be open to PTs as well as every other professional. I agree. I agree. And what? Anything else on the federal level that? Uh, we should yeah, the be aware big of? one that we have going right now is self-referral. Okay? okay, so or referral for profit or pops, however you mm -hmm. want to, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, so uh, there was a law called the Stark Law. Mm -hmm. um, which prevented, I think it was, it came into law in the, in the um, early 90s, mm -hmm. um, yeah, which pre prevented uh, physicians from referring to any services in which they had a financial interest. Um, and that law stood um, until I believe it was 2003 when they created something called the um, uh, in-office ancillary services exception, which means that for certain services, uh, that would happen in a doctor's office, they could do, even if they had a financial interest, for example, an x-ray. So you, you hurt your arm, you want to get an x-ray, that's what it was intended for. Um, when uh, it was expanded uh, in, in 2003 to include physical therapy and a few other professions, um, but a study done in 2008 showed that physical therapists were only seen 3% of the time on the same day that they saw the doctor, 
and this law was intended for them for same-day services. So we, what we want to do um, is get physical therapy out of that uh, exclusion, out of that exception, so that way um, physicians cannot refer to physical therapy offices in which they have a financial interest. Because in those cases, it's found time and time again that the utilization is very high and that the cost to Medicare um, is extremely high. So uh, we're working on a bill there that's H.R. 2914 uh, in, the le in the legislature to, um, to tighten up uh, the referral for profit situation in, in uh, the United States. Makes perfect sense. Anything else on the federal level? Um, that, those are the most uh, pressing the issues going right? on right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's going on now in Washington, D.C. So there's, mm -hmm. a, I'm sure, a large number of PTs and PT students that are there for that federal advocacy forum. And can people find more about that on the APTA's website? Uh, yeah, if you want to stay involved, you can um, join uh, there's something called P-Team, P-T-E-A-M, okay. through APTA, and you'll get emails whenever they need something done. They also have a nice app that they've just debuted, and whenever they're looking for, like, this is the time that we need to push on a certain piece of legislation, mm -hmm. you just get a little buzz, and it tells you, and then make that two-minute phone call to your legislator, let them know exactly what you want. It's all there at your fingertips. It's actually on your phone, so then you can just make the call from there. It couldn't nice. get much simpler than that. So there's a lot of nice resources. Cool, and is that in the... Uh, like the App Store or Google Play Store uh, yes. or Google Drive? The Play Store and it's, I have it on my Android. I believe they have it for iOS as well. Um, uh, but I'm not sure <laughs> what you'd look up to find it. I'm sure if you put APTA, it would probably come up. Yeah, yeah. Or even P-Team, perhaps? Uh, 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 P-Team, uh, yeah. I'm not sure if that's part of P-Team or not. But um, if, you, if you do uh, APTA and advocacy, um, you can find it. I can find you the name. In just a minute here. Uh, APTA Action? Yes, that's yeah. it. Very good. PT okay. Action. That's the app, is PT Action. Yeah, yeah. Great. So it took me all of like 30 seconds to find that. There so it is. very easy. So APTA Action. And it's free to download it's free. It's and free. install and all that stuff. So no excuses. Okay. So we're just about ready to wrap things up, but I'd like to hear from you what you would like the listeners to really kind of take away from the discussion today. Um, you know, if, if uh, a lot of the, all of the NYPTA and a lot of the APTA, it's a volunteer organization. I don't get paid anything for all the work I do. Um, it's really a labor of love and a labor of necessity. Uh, and what we need is, is, more, is, is more activity. We need more people to get involved, to understand the issues, and to take up for the issues that are important to them. Because, you know, if the issues that I stated aren't important to you, then you must not be in the profession because they affect, they affect everyone. Um, and so uh, if you can get involved in any way and try to help out, even if it's just making that phone call to the legislator, even if it's taking one day to go to lobby day, um, if, if you want to get more involved and, uh, and, and, and become a leader in the association, that's great. I found it so personally and professionally fulfilling. I never thought I did. You know, I kind of went into it kicking and screaming a little bit. And then every time... Uh, another office opens up, I manage to try to step my way into it. Um, maybe I'm a glutton for punishment, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, you just meet so many good people and you learn so much and you understand how the association works, how the world works really, uh, and, and when the things that you do make a change, it feels, it feels really good. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that and learn uh, more about you? Sure. Um, you, can, uh, you can email me at david at 
cptclinic.com, the letter cptclinic.com. Uh, my office is Community Physical Therapy, so you can find me online. Um, contact me through there or just read up on my bio or my office. You're welcome to do that. Or you can always find me on nypta.org, Brooklyn, Staten Island, Chapter Director. Great. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, I hope that it, people can just take away from today's discussion that it doesn't take a lot of time or a lot of money to make a difference in your profession and in your professional association. That was very so, well put. All right. So thanks so much. And everyone, thanks for listening. And have a great week. Stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.